Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about two found footage horror movies, Paranormal Activity and The Taking of Deborah Logan. But first, let's catch up. Mackenzie, did you watch the Oscars on Sunday? I did. So did I. After struggling to find how to watch them. That sucks. You know, I'm really happy that we have kept our basic cable package because it comes in handy exclusively for award shows for me. Yeah. I Well, what Ian did was he did the like free five-day trial of YouTube Live and then canceled it immediately after nice. the Oscars. So. Nice, 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 nice. Um, system. I thought it was my thoughts on the Oscars are it was obviously a huge colossal bummer that Green Book won um, mm-hmm. because it's like a kind of stupid reductive movie about race yeah. relations that makes white people feel good um, yeah. but despite the biggest award of the night going to a crappy movie I thought was really heartened by all the smaller awards that went to women of color uh, and uh, like women directors you know in, in general um, and I thought that was really really awesome and heartening I agree. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I haven't seen Green Book, so. I haven't knows, either, but, but I just feel secure in shit talking it. Yeah. If pop culture happy hour doesn't like it, then I don't like I it. I know that's some <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> like Linda Holmes, I trust. I no, trust her like, too. No matter what. Yes. Um, but. And so the part that I like the most about award shows, and I think this is probably a universal like mm-hmm. feeling with many other people, is that the best part is when people are so excited and happy that they have won. Yeah. And every like speech or whatever, most of them were like pretty good. Yeah. Olivia Coleman's I feel like was the best. But so good. When Green Book won, I didn't think it was good i didn't even think it was okay i thought it was horrible yeah Yeah. they were like it's all because of vigo it's all because of vigo vigo did it vigo did it not don shirley who it was based on like yeah it's like this is a perfect microcosm for like the problem that this movie is exactly i mean like really happy mahershala ali one because he's amazing yeah he's a terrific he kind of seemed like unenthused to be winning for this uh yeah I was happy Spike Lee won. Regina King totally mm-hmm. deserved it for It Feels She Could mm-hmm. Talk. And mm-hmm. there were so many, like, sweet uh, just moments on stage. Like, Ruth Carter winning was so exciting. Mm-hmm. She gave a great acceptance speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was just cool and proof that, like, it, there are women, like, working in these fields, you know. And mm-hmm. it just makes it even more egregious that, like, women don't regularly get nominated for Best Picture yeah. or Best Director. Because it's like, they're there making movies. It's not like they don't exist or they're hiding. It's like, nope. Yeah. They're there. And I felt like a lot of people were like, why is Black Panther in this best picture category? But I think like, and you know, I kind of felt like that too, because I liked Black Panther and it was like the only, one of the only movies I saw that was nominated for best picture. But did I like absolutely love it? Like, I mean, it it's not my favorite Marvel movie, Mm -hmm. but I think it has like, I think the sequels have the potential to be my favorite Ooh, okay. because if we're taking it like Captain America, like I didn't like the first Captain America, but I love Civil War. And Winter so. Soldier is really good too. Yeah. Yeah. So I have like very, and I think that Black Panther was definitely better than Captain America. So I feel like it has like, I have very high hopes for like the sequels, but I do think that it deserved upon like 
after watching the Oscars, like upon reflection, I think that it should, it definitely should have been in the best picture category, not mm-hmm. just because it was definitely the most like had the biggest cultural impact, but also because it did pull in like these like phenomenal yeah women like Ruthie Carter and Hannah Beachler who did win the best like the Oscars for their categories um yeah for that reason alone I was like yeah Black Panther and it kind of like we spoke about on the last episode it's also just like awesome that Ryan Coogler you know like picked the best candidates to fill those positions on his team and they happen to be like women and women of color and mm-hmm. they did like phenomenal jobs. Uh, mm-hmm. So really, really, really awesome. Overall, happy to see that people are getting recognized like mm-hmm. that, even if Green Book success. Yeah. And also, I was happy without a host. I yeah, was like, let's do this. It. Let's get it was tight and well, quick. What is <laughs> something that you haven't seen that now you feel like you have to watch after seeing the Oscars? Well, I ha- I only have seen two of the movies. That's <laughs> so. Fine. I've, I mean, I knew nothing has really changed after, like, I knew that I wanted to watch, like, The Favorite, which mm-hmm. I haven't seen Fuck, yet. And so if Beale Street could talk, I need to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, like, the big two, I feel like. I mean, I also need to see Roma, obviously. I haven't seen that either. Jeez, mm-hmm. I'm like, should should I have watched Oscars? Probably not, because I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> should movies. we even have a movie podcast? <laughs> Um, my big takeaway is, can you ever forgive me? I really want to see, can you ever forgive me? Me too. Me um, too. Yeah. Especially um, after hearing pop culture happy ever talk about it. Yeah. They loved it. And I just feel like it's going to hit like the correct buttons for me. I saw someone yeah. tweet that it's so great that, um, Melissa McCarthy and Olivia Coleman were both nominated for playing cranky middle-aged lesbians. And that's true. And I, I also, I remember reading this statistic about how like women, in the acting fields typically win as like under 30 for roles they're playing like ingenues like older women don't mm-hmm. really get uh, rewarded for portraying women their own age but i think like this is hopefully a sign i mean last year it was francis mcdormand who won and she's obviously over mm-hmm. like 50 um that like different complex depictions of women can be like valued and rewarded uh mm-hmm. at award shows yeah so mm-hmm. happy about that happy yeah, for olivia yeah. coleman yeah yeah her speech was very cute it was very cute and very sincere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's dive in. <laughs> so, do you want to read Paranormal Activity or Taking of Deborah Logan? Uh, it's you up decide. to you. I don't care. No, you're no. Okay, I'll read the Taking of Deborah Logan. You can read this one. Okay. Paranormal Activity was filmed in 2006 and widely released in 2009. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Took a few years. <laughs> <laughs> Directed and conceived by Oren Pelly, the film alleges to be recovered footage that depicts the sinister haunting of a suburban home. Bickering couple Mika and Katie resort to videotaping the haunting of their house when they can no longer ignore the mysterious bumps and screams that awaken them in the night. Mika buys a fancy camera, but unfortunately it captures something that is far more sinister than demonic activity, an abusive fuckboy. (laughs) (laughs) When I first read that, I was like, Bridget, that was genius. <laughs> Thank you. And it's so obnoxious that I laugh at that because um, I wrote it. But yeah, so don't know about you, but this is my first time watching Paranormal Activity. Me too. 
I don't know how we escaped it because yeah. it was a cultural phenomena. Like mm-hmm. it was a huge deal when it came out. And I, for some reason, was under the impression it was about aliens. Even like the sequels oh, really? were about, I thought all of them were about aliens. Okay. And that it was a found footage video that. about aliens. I don't know. That sounds cool. Is there something like that? There is, I think, but um, I forget its name. We tried watching mm-hmm. it once. Yeah. So this is my first time watching it. And you know what I liked best about it? A brisk 90 minutes. <laughs> Both of these bright. movies were 90 minutes or shorter. So, yeah. I love it. I, I appreciated that as well. This was like a very easy uh, week of watching for yes, the podcast. Definitely. Because it was very quick. Very, very <laughs> short. So, this premise of this movie, um, I guess because it was such a big deal when it came out, I feel, even while watching it, already familiar with the premise. Mm-hmm. And the plot and the twist that come along with it, which is it's a couple, they live in San Diego, they think their house is haunted, and the guy buys a video camera to tape the different hauntings that are happening mm-hmm. in the house. Um, and a lot of the stuff in it has kind of been spoofed in pop culture, like I think 30 Rock does a kind of like a paranormal activity clip where Liz is walking around at night, like she does the thing where she's standing near the bed, oh, <laughs> and then yeah. she like eats a bunch of random shit in her kitchen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I already felt like familiar with it. Yeah. To me too, extent. sort of. And I think I already knew the ending. Like, I don't know how, but, but Ian said there were a few different endings, but I yeah. didn't get into that. So they, he, Oren Pelly, the director, um, he was a video game developer who probably was making like really good money. Cause one day he was just like, I'm going to make a movie and bought like a really expensive camera, kind of like Mika. Uh, and Hired two actors for $500 each. That was 500 for 10 days of work, uh, which to me does not seem like a, the right amount of money. No. Especially if it was like an amateur director who was like, I'm giving you $500 for 10 days of work. I feel like, mm, this seems like it's a lot of work for $500. Did they get more money after it came out? I believe so. Um, okay, good. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, oh it, my God. It's one of those horror movies like Blair Witch Project, which it owes a lot of debt to, that uh, like hugely increased their the amount of money, you know, like a budget of 10, yeah. like ten thousand or whatever, and they made millions of dollars off of this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but where was I going with that? Oh, so this guy Oren Pelly films it. They don't have a script; they just like improvise every scene. The actors kept their names. Um, what did you think of their performances? They were fine. <laughs> yeah, they were fine. She, yeah. They were fine. She was a little, like, rough for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I was like, you know, she's just like a normie. Like, it seems like bad acting, but there are people who just live their lives with those yeah. types of personalities and emotions. Yeah. They're just normies. Yep. Just like the house. The house was yes. so vanilla. Like, <laughs> I, And that was the director's house. I was like, did he buy cheap oh furniture my God, that from, was like... His house. For, from like Goodwill or something, not to knock furniture from Goodwill, but like, what was going on there? Um, it it was like art from TJ Maxx, yes. which is like something I personally have like a huge grudge against, and I, I deeply like mass against. produced uh, waiting yeah. room lobby art. Yeah, yeah, it was Ugh. it was just bad, and their furniture was just like ugly, and the house was so big. It was one of those big it houses. Had like a, uh, they had like a cheetah print rug with zebra pillows and stuff. Uh, 
much. Yeah. I think <laughs> we were reading at one point that some people interpreted this movie to kind of be about like um, middle class people living beyond their means and like the repercussions of that, which I don't know, might be a stretch uh, for me. But yeah, um, that is they certainly they certainly had a kind of, uh, yeah, undesirable lifestyle <laughs> for many reasons. <laughs> The least of which being the art they surrounded themselves with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he sounds so snobby. <laughs> what? Yeah, well, He's... maybe they wouldn't have been haunted if they had nicer things in their house. <laughs> uh, I was actually also surprised how little backstory we get about the demon. And I know they have like five more films in the franchise that flesh it out a lot more. But this is pretty, mm. pretty scarce details. Yeah. And I felt like the details they did give was kind of like pointless and I could have done without like the Ouija board where it's spelling out like Diana or whatever. And then Mika goes on and researches that woman that's like so forgettable and unnecessary. I feel like. Yeah. Agreed. Um, it, and it, you feel like they are going to discover more. And apparently they had a a video clip of the exorcism that was cut out, like Diane's exorcism Mm -hmm. or whatever. But uh, so we had, and far, sorry, I'm like distracted because my dog was sitting on my lap because she's scared of thunder. And now I'm watching her climb into a box in the closet because <laughs> she's scared. Aww. Oh, it's okay, baby. Um, <laughs> she's in a box burying herself in clothes. I'll take a oh. picture. Um, okay, good. We can post it. <laughs> but Mackenzie and I were talking about this movie last night and we were saying that um, it's funny because like this movie is obviously made on the fly. You know, like, mm-hmm. didn't have a script. The guy was basically like, yo, what's, you know, what's really scary when you're scared at night while you're sleeping. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I, we read this one interview with him where he was like, I, what Jaws was to the water. I wanted this movie to be to sleeping in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so despite those kind of like bare bones intentions, this movie, you can, you can read like a surprising a lot into this movie. Um, well, I think like. So we were when we were watching it and we were talking about it as we were watching, mm. we kind of were like, this movie is about domestic yeah. abuse, question mark? Like, yeah. this guy did not know that when he was no. like, making no. his movie. But us immediately were like, wow, this is like about an abusive relationship. Yeah. So Mika is like a dick. He yeah, 100%. buys this fucking camera to film what's happening at their house even though katie who is like the one being terrorized the victim Mm -hmm. of the hauntings is like yo i don't feel comfortable with this don't think this is gonna work i've been experiencing this since i was a little girl so she's like the authority on this and he's like no man like we're gonna film it he talks down to her he belittles her opinion he like you said yesterday like he prevents them from seeking professional help from like Mm -hmm. an exorcist or whatever a demonologist um and she is like inc- grows increasingly terrorized and he is just a dick and doesn't listen to her he doesn't listen to the psychic they bring in he gets the ouija board he's yeah he somehow manages to like not believe what she's saying but also prioritize the demon above her yes like ha- yes it's funny because it's like i feel like in some movies he would have been like yo like i don't believe you at all you know like you're just making this up but he clearly does because he like buys an expensive camera to film stuff and is like excited mm-hmm. by it and like challenges mm-hmm. the demon a lot and is like could you do better than that like yeah i love how every worse. time there's like a bump he's like what the fuck was that i know oh <laughs> it's my so god funny. it's like it's the demon <laughs> 
yes it's the de- duh <laughs> it's like every time without fail it's so like he's just such a like dumb bro <laughs> he is a dumb bro so we were uh really lucky to find um this book called do 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 found footage horror films fear and the appearance of reality by alexandra hellers nicole who's an awesome author and she has written many great books about horror including one on the original suspiria film which i own and is amazing um and she this to me seems like the definitive book kind of parsing the found footage genre which is relatively new but has roots in um older movies kind of like showing like newsreel or trying to like make your film seem more authentic um and so she uh kind of summarizes the movie as even leaving aside the supernatural focus of the first paranormal activity film it is stands as an unflinching rendering of the collapse of a fictional relationship it is a breakup that is propelled by psychological abuse and ends in domestic violence few films have captured the everyday casualness that dominates a relationship breakdown quite like the original movie the emotional intensity that normally dominates end of the affair melodrama is deflected off the relationship and onto the external and unapologetically hyperbolic distraction of the titular paranormal activity and she goes on to say and i thought this was really interesting she says that the first movie is a triangle of sexual possession between toby who in later movies you find out the demon's name is toby i was reading that i was like who the fuck is toby Toby? (laughs) that's the demon he was katie's imaginary friend when she was little and but he's the demon uh toby it's a Triangle of sexual possession between Toby and Micah over Katie's body in this way is supported by the constant focus on the bedroom and the bed itself as a site of horror. Katie tells Dr. Friedrichs, who's the psychic they bring in, that her and her sister Christie's first experience with the demon when she was eight and again when she turned 13, an age when young girls typically begin sexual maturation. This flagging of her sexuality is significant to Toby. Um, and it's underscored by her observation to Dr. Friedrichs that most of the supernatural activity occurs in their bedroom. Uh, and they say, she goes on to say, indeed, many of the film's biggest fights center around the bed, such as an invisible shape getting under the covers with her, being dragged out of the bed by what is assumed to be an unseen identity. And through these actions, Toby physically seeks to remove Katie and Micah from the site of sexual union. Sorry, this is so long, but the part I'm getting to mm-hmm. is that uh, it was Mika who first initially tainted this space as early as night one, the evening Dr. Friedrichs first visited them. In attempting to film himself and Katie having sex, Mika tells her that the record light was only the standby light. So he's a lying douchebag. Yeah. So basically he lies to her, tells her the camera's off, and makes a move, mm-hmm. and tries to film them having sex. And I feel like there are a bunch of things that he does. Like, he he literally says, you're too, you're too cute to be talking at one point. Oh, my God. He's like, pop, he says, pop a pill, like, to have her, like, chill Calm out. Down. This is my house. You're my girlfriend. I'm taking care of it. Whoa, whoa. Do you think um, he, like, was instructed to be a dick? Or do you think this actor was just like, this is how a guy would act in this situation? That's the thing. I don't know. We really don't have no way of knowing. Because, like, I would think, if we're giving the movie credit, it's like, oh, he was instructed to be like that. Yeah. Right? But it would is also believable that he was just like, this is how a boyfriend is. Yay. It's just, like, so, it's so disturbing to, like, see her have to deal with him and it's just like absolutely like exhausting to it have is. to watch her like fucking uh like uh, entertain him almost like he's he's like constantly like trying to like push her to have like hook up and she's always like i don't like i'm being haunted i'm not really mm-hmm. i don't want to yeah or she's like i'm studying and he's like 
shoving a camera in her face or she's doing crafts with her friends and he's like shoving a camera in her face and it's like it's just it his abuse perpetuates the haunting it's like mm-hmm. they say in the beginning that the demon thrives off of stressful situations it's like no wonder it, it makes me feel like the yeah. demon has started to come back even before that first night mm-hmm. when he left the camera on because there was probably something going on yeah. like the relationship was probably oh yeah and he like blames her he's like you didn't tell me about this before we moved yeah. in together uh, and the psychic says to her, like, you can't run because it will follow you, which is probably just because they wanted to keep the movie set in the house. Right. But I'm like, girl, you could have run, gotten a hotel room, taken mm-hmm. a bubble bath, stayed away mm-hmm. from Mika, and things would have mm-hmm. arguably been better. Yeah. Um, you can tell, like, I guess the closest analog I have to experiencing a demon harassing me is, like, insomnia. And how that's mm-hmm. so exhausting. And I do mm-hmm. think the actress did a good job. Like, there's one scene where she's it's daylight and she's, like, on the couch. Mm-hmm. And she's just, like, exhausted. Like, she hasn't slept yeah. because of all yeah. the shit that's been happening to her. And that was pretty effective. Yeah. And so how does the movie end, Mackenzie? She gets possessed by the demon and kills Mika. Which, honestly, I was endorsed. I was like, good for... <laughs> yeah. I honestly felt like the demon was on her side, pretty much. There's a point at, towards the end where the demon smashes the, a picture of her and Micah, yeah. Mika. But it... Only it looks like it like punched Mika in the face, and I'm like, yeah. wow, okay, like I root for the demon now. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're gonna retcon the next movies and say that Toby was her childhood friend. He's looking out for her, and he knew she was in a bad situation, and uh, mm-hmm. she had to get out. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, it's like I I was trying to think about it in a way mm-hmm. like that, where I was like, you know, they're they can be, but I don't know. She still has like. Katie, there's no winners, really. Like, <laughs> that's true. Katie still has no. Did the agency. movie scare you? Uh, no. Mm. I mean, I I get. I'm very easily like jump scared. Like, yeah. I will jump a lot, but that doesn't. It didn't like affect me after I turned the movie off or anything. Yeah, it kind. It somewhat affected me, um, and the moment I didn't. There was, like, some parts that I was pretty tense and fearful of. And then I did kind of have, like, a weird dream that night about a demon being in our window. <laughs> but, but no, not, um, I think the, one of the scariest um, scenes in the movie for me was the flower actually on the floor. Uh, I thought that was, mm. like, pretty well done. It's yeah. funny. Uh, a lot of people who reviewed this movie, while looking for one-star ratings, it was actually hard to find our type of one-star ratings, which are men mm-hmm. like being stupid about women for both of the movies we're talking about today. Um, because a lot of people were just like, both of these people are stupid or, you know, mm-hmm. or like, and had like pretty fair to me, not totally sexist <laughs> arguments <laughs> for why the uh, main characters were stupid or didn't. They also said it was really boring. A lot of people were like, this movie was so boring. Mm-hmm. Um, sort yeah. of. Yeah, it is a little, it is a lot of people sleeping. Yeah. Uh, Do you think, so we've picked two found footage movies today and it's, as I said earlier, it's kind of a recent phenomena and genre in the horror um, world. And I think there are some movies that handle it really, really well. Like Blair Witch obviously kind of revolutionized horror in general and the found footage genre. But I think sometimes you encounter movies where you're like, why did this story have to be told in this way? And 
I think this movie, it complements the plot well. I think if you didn't have the element of them videotaping themselves at night, it would just be a different movie totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of it being captured on film through this new technology kind of is important to understanding the movie. So I think mm-hmm. it worked here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think it would have existed without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, certainly. Um, and it, it is interesting to see kind of how found footage has progressed. Like, I have not seen this movie, but do you know that John Cho movie that came out? Fuck, what was it called? Searching. Searching, yeah. So Searching was also told through, like, found footage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah. But it's like Skype and FaceTime and stuff. It's funny. Like, yeah, the, the technology just keeps changing. Through, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a found footage horror movie about, like, Instagram stories eventually. Oh, wow. <laughs> that makes me sound like an old fart. Well, there was one I there was one movie that was like Google Glass told <laughs> or something. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah sometimes it's it's hard cuz you're like why would you be filming this? And also like this just like your suspension of disbelief just has to be greater that like someone would not only be able to film something terrifying happening but like film it correctly, you know? Uh, yeah. But I think it also adds to how scary it can be. Like in Blair Witch, for instance, like they're running through the woods. Like you can't really, you I've don't see what it. scares you. <gasps> Mackenzie, it is so scary. I know. It is so I scary. I guess uh, this is jumping ahead a little bit to the taking of, but I feel like both of these movies, Um, I think that when you do found footage and when it's successful and like when the good movies are made, which I think overall paranormal activity and taking of deborah logan are both good movies um i think it kind of like i mean movies are voyeuristic Mm -hmm. like just period but when you make the viewer i feel like found footage makes us aware that we're being voyeuristic and so it makes us uncomfortable and i think it makes us even more like not at ease like i Seeing something that you shouldn't necessarily see. Right, right, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, um, I especially felt it in the taking of Deborah Logan just because it also felt like this. these strangers were, inv- like, almost invading a house, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Which we'll talk about more, I guess. Yeah. But I think also it was similar in uh, Paranormal Activity because he's, like, such a creepy Mika is just like so fucking horrible and creepy and he's like uh, like just like not he's it, kind of like it, exploiting her um, right it, yeah. it it's about consent and like mm. I think that when as like an audience in watching movie it, that's something like we always kind of have to be asking ourselves about Mm. anyone watching anything needs to be asking themselves that and i think that when we watch something that's found footage we're like forced to confront that Mm -hmm. that's true especially because like the whole general premise of found footage is that we are to believe it is like real and authentic film right um and it's and it's funny that obviously when you engage with any sort of like fictional object or story you are suspending disbelief in some way to enjoy the story um because you're not thinking the whole time you know like these are actors speaking words written from a script um but in some way with found footage it is it's easier to 
like be comfortable with that disconnect and that suspension of disbelief. And it makes you think a little more about, um, like separating art from the artist. Uh, and, uh, in the book we were just referencing by Alexandra Nichols Heller, she says that, um, Sean, uh, Sean Smith, Newsweek Sean Smith noted that the biggest problem was that no one who made the film got the credit for its triumph because it was shot by actors on handheld video and the dialogue was improvised from plot-only screenplay. Studio execs doubted that Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez could direct a normal film. Oh, I'm sorry. That was about Blair Witch Project, but it applies here too. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it it becomes harder to kind of like define contributions um, with found footage, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also interesting to note that this movie and uh, Blair Witch Project, like the actors really don't go on to do very much after like successful found mm-hmm. footage films because mm-hmm. like part of the fantasy is that like these people are real, you know, like the mm-hmm. girl, this is going to spoil Blair Witch Project for you. No, don't do it. Okay. Then I'm not going to do it. But <laughs> like people thought those actors were real, you know, they thought they were yeah. real people and they weren't actors. And I'm sure people have difficulty probably casting these people who katie mm-hmm. and micah because they played them their real selves or whatever and yeah. also boring as shit Just yeah saying. that's true <laughs> yeah i mean yeah they definitely seemed like kind of like a realistic normie boring couple <laughs> yeah um sure. i'm gonna dive into the one star review or actually if you'd like to read it sure yeah the main characters are in no way sympathy inspiring The guy was an antagonistic tool, a word I often heard my fellow patrons grumble at the screen when they weren't too busy rolling their eyes. What? I'm sorry. I just cannot. I'm interrupted you because I cannot believe that actual like other moviegoers were saying the word tool. But go on. I can. Okay. Because he was such. He was a tool, but (laughs) I don't know. Um, and the woman was in no way endearing, having a grating personality on top of the fact that she is not only the reason for the haunting, but by extension, the subject of blame for the movie even existing. Yeah. Like I said, it was kind of hard to find my usual type of uh, misogynistic movie reviews. I didn't think Katie had a grating personality. Neither do I. We forgot to mention Katie was the only character development we really get from Katie is that she wants to be a teacher and she loves crafting. Yeah. She, she was loves just to craft. Like, boring yeah she was i mean i just like felt bad for her and wanted her i wanted her to be safe and getting being safe was like getting away from mika and the demon katie is like a girl you befriend in high school because you're shy and quiet but you're like a nerdy freak and this girl is just shy and quiet because she's like a little boring yeah not that i'm speaking from experience (laughs) but i've I've known katie's i feel like yeah and then Okay, I was just gonna say, and then the nerdy freaks get cooler. That's true. The shy ones don't. The quiet. We're taking a, a real stance against uh, <laughs> a certain type of person. God, God bless you, <laughs> shy quiet girl. <laughs> shy quiet girls who aren't freaky. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So, do you wanna? Uh, what are your final thoughts on paranormal activity? Um, I like it when we we talk about it and we give our own reading on it but i feel like Mm -hmm. that was not the intention i mean who knows what the intention was but it's hard to believe uh like this guy was like i'm gonna make a film about domestic abuse (laughs) and like then made this yes and i would be interested to see the other movies to see how they fit into that kind of read well the guy from taking of deborah logan wrote one of them yeah that's true connection yeah, but uh, overall, I'd give it like a five. 
I would give it a four. You know who apparently loved it? Steven Spielberg. Oh. He was like a champion of it and like encouraged it to get like wide distribution. Wait, what did I give Annihilation? Four? I'll give it I'll give Paranormal Activity a four too. Yeah. I can't now that I've ranked Annihilation so low, I have to like keep my (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's one of those movies too that now that I've seen, like I never have the desire to watch that movie again, you know, or rewatch it. But if you felt differently, feel free to contact us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Seriously. Give us the feedback. All right. And so next up, we are talking about The Taking of Deborah Logan. The 2014 film, The Taking of Deborah Logan, was directed by Adam Robitel, but is styled as the efforts of grad student Mia and her documentary film crew. Their subject is an elderly woman, Deborah Logan, who has Alzheimer's. Her diagnosis is the reason that the film crew camps out in Deborah and her daughter's Virginia home, but the crew quickly realizes something more spooky is at work. As Deborah falls deeper into madness, they uncover a decades-old occult plot involving the sacrifice of young girls, a murderous pediatrician, and a ten of snakes. Uh, so it was this was not your first time seeing The Taking of Deborah Logan. No. It was my second. Every time I write the name or say the name, I say The Taking of Deborah Logan, one, two, three. Because of that movie, The Taking of Pelham, one, two, three. I don't know that. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but it's kind of a famous movie. And oh, okay. even when I started to Google it, it'd be like The Taking of Pelham, one, two, three. So in my mind, oh. it's The Taking of Deborah Logan, one, two, three. Well, I keep saying The Haunting of Deborah Logan, which I wrote yeah, in our schedule. And I said it in the last episode. <laughs> we hope we didn't confuse anyone into watching a different movie. <laughs> yeah so this is a found footage movie and instead of two people experiencing a haunting filming themselves the premise is it's a documentary film crew and is she a fucking psychology grad is she a film student it's very difficult to tell it is i feel like and this is the type of found footage film that i think has grown more common because it's just like easier to be like a documentary film crew is making yes. a movie that's why the cameras are out all the time yeah <laughs> yeah and i gotta be honest i feel like there this was it kind of got unbelievable more unbelievable than the paranormal activity also because mm-hmm. paranormal paranormal activities the scope of it is so small like it's literally as intimate as the bedroom mm-hmm. so you're like you can kind of believe it but this mm-hmm. is like these people Definitely, I think, definitely exploited Deborah. Yeah. (laughs) Even though she was being haunted, you know, by... Yeah. They should not have filmed Deborah doing those things. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. 100%. And it was just, like, it made me just uncomfortable. It's like, they, like I said before, they're, like, in, like, just barging into this house and, like... They are, like, voyeurs. Yeah. Yeah. So Deborah has Alzheimer's, but she starts behaving increasingly strange. She... Like, walks around a lot at night. She vomited up some dirt and earthworms. She was picking at herself in a scary way. What else did she do? She, um, uh, kind of like raged at them. Yeah. Got violent. Like freaked out. Yeah. And they start to realize that it's a little more than Alzheimer's <laughs> when, which is like a real and terrible disease. When yeah. she gets naked one night and returns to the switchboard that she used to work, and they piece mm. together that she was dialing the extension of this pediatrician who killed a bunch of girls in like the seventies, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Whoa, that's weird." Yeah. I, it, it's almost like 
I feel like the way that they piece things together is like pretty unbelievable and almost like Scooby. They do. They even Scooby make the joke. Do. It's like a Scooby Scooby Doo shit. They make that joke. Yes, so I guess and, it's a little self aware, but yeah. And it's this. It's just just this documentary crew and Deborah's daughter Sarah, who's like in her forties. Um, yeah. And kind of a cool depiction of a queer character where her yeah. queerness did not have anything to do with the plot. And it was just like a fact about her. Um, yeah. And I think they kind of had a subplot about her feeling the uh, chief of police or the sheriff. You know, like, I feel like they were vibing. Did you pick <laughs> up on that? No. Oh, I think they were vibing. Okay. <laughs> She's always like, let me know if you that. need any help, Sarah. And like touching her elbow. I'm like, mm. oh, okay. 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 Good for you, Sarah. Yeah, I didn't like Sarah at first just because I felt, I don't know, I didn't like anyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, honestly, they're all kind of obnoxious in this movie. But then, like, by the end, I felt like I liked a bunch of people, so. Yeah. yeah. Like, we have this in our notes, but Mia is kind of like a dick at first. Like, she yeah. lies about her grandpa having Alzheimer's. And mm-hmm. then, and I attribute this to men not being able to write women. Like, she has a male <laughs> film crew, and mm-hmm. the guy is filming Deborah. Like being weird with a snake, and yeah. then he cuts to Mia being like, "What are you doing, Garrett? Like I told you, edit the video." And it's like, okay, he was doing something important, but like, sure, she's a shrieking banshee who's unreasonable yeah. about her employees. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was bad. I hated that. I know, uh, but yeah, she's redeemed. She sticks it out with Deborah, mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. to get that sweet, sweet footage of her trying to swallow a young girl's head. Uh, <laughs> that's an A plus on her. A thesis film, which who knows again what her major is. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and I, it is cool. Even though I, I don't think like Mia, for instance, was a believable character. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of women in like background roles that you kind of take for granted that those roles can be like diversely cast. Mm-hmm. You know, but there was like a woman doctor and. Mm-hmm. A woman policeman and yeah. <laughs> a lady cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did like how the end it was just women. Like yeah. all the men had kind of like got crapped out. Yeah. Like the one documentary crew member like leaves, right? Yeah. 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 And so does the male cop. Yeah. And so does so the male cop. just ladies. Yeah. yeah. I like that. The female cop dies. Sad. Yeah. Sarah didn't get to get laid. <laughs> Readers and listeners. Was there a subplot where Sarah and the cop were flirting? Write us at chickflicksatpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> well, Sarah had like a, a, girlfriend, a girlfriend, but things weren't working out because she had to stay and take care of her mom. True, true, true. Yeah. It was like she felt like she had to lie to her, which I felt mm. like was weird. Why did you have to lie to your girlfriend? That's true. Your mom having Alzheimer's? Question mark. And also like that shit doesn't clear up over a few days. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that this movie is about an old woman and in some ways is about like how scary old people and old women look like obviously Mm -hmm. Deborah kind of goes in her transformation from like this really like um, polished like beautiful Mm -hmm. older woman with dyed Mm -hmm. hair and like makeup and a nice outfit to kind of Mm -hmm. like looking kind of you know like what as someone whose mother I mean grandmother had dementia like looking to like what a woman with dementia looks like Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it what's scarier is less Deborah's physical body and her physical transformation than like her loss of control. A lot mm-hmm. of horror movies, and we've talked about a few of them, make naked elderly women's bodies like a site of like horror. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's so terrifying. Like she's naked and she's old and she has tits. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But this movie, like, Deborah is naked in it, and it's not like the camera isn't, like, exploiting her, or you're not like, holy shit, like, look at all those wrinkles, you know? Mm, she just yeah. looks, like, frail and, like, lost, kind of. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did look so frail. It was very Yeah. Very sad. upsetting. Yeah, and I think this is an upsetting movie to watch if you know or love someone who has dementia because for a lot of the mm-hmm. film it's just like about a woman with dementia who is doing a little more weird shit than people do with dementia um, <laughs> but not yeah. much uh, yeah did you find this movie very scary i think it's scarier well yeah i thought it was scarier than paranormal activity yeah I think fresh off the descent, I'm like, this shit is easy mode. Yeah, this is like My Little Pony. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it was, it scared me a lot more, obviously. The first time I watched it was a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Yeah, me too. And I was reading an interview with the director, Adam Robitel, but like they really like built the movie around what they called the money shot of like Deborah trying to swallow a girl's head yeah <laughs> which was scary really really scary like really yeah. fucking scary so deborah is like possessed by this murderous pe- pediatrician who loves snakes or has an occult thing with snakes and has to kill a bunch of girls to remain immortal and so that's why she tries to swallow a girl's head that's the reason yeah. and I it's kind of cool oh go on sorry well no you go it's cool that sarah or i'm sorry deborah like killed him yeah, I thought that was cool, too. She was protecting her daughter. Exactly. Yeah. I thought that, that added, like, a nice touch. I don't think the movie would have had as much... Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have liked the movie as much without that, because I don't think I would have... It definitely, I felt, like, gave Deborah like, a lot more character than mm-hmm. she would have had otherwise, especially because she doesn't really... Uh, like, she's not, she's not there for much of the movie. Yeah. Like, her mind isn't there. Yeah. So I feel like that little tidbit was like and you're also like led to believe like she and her daughter sarah don't have that much in common Mm -hmm. like sarah makes comments like oh you know i was a tomboy blah 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 and you're like Mm -hmm. yeah but deborah fucking loved you yeah she killed a pediatrician for you yeah i loved that yeah with her hottie neighbor harris (laughs) who was like such a stereotype of like the gruff (laughs) farm man next door that was kind of funny it was funny and he was like kind of creepy. Did you think that? Yeah, he was. Mi- yeah, he was pretty creepy. Like at one point, he was like shooting guns at the documentary crew. Yeah, that was weird. It was weird. Why did he do that? You know, I'm not totally certain still. <laughs> yeah. So the, I think this movie could have been well, uh, convincingly and like uh, just told well without the use of found footage. I don't think it added that much to it. I don't think so either. I think it just like made me even more uncomfortable, but I think it didn't need it. Yeah. This movie too isn't just like the cameras that the crew had. They use like hospital surveillance footage. Mm. They kind of branch out a bit more. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that it, it could have still been a really scary movie about an Alzheimer's patient who gets possessed by a evil spirit. Yeah. You could have still had that shot of Deborah trying to swallow the girl's head. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to point out we did read an article with Adam Robitel where he described Michelle, the grad student, played by, I'm sorry, her name is Mia and she's played by Michelle Ang. And he said, Michelle brought sex appeal and a real, authentically believable intelligence. 
Mia had to be both believable as a PhD student, but also have an edge about her. A bit of a Lois Lane quality. And I'm like, mm. what the fuck? Why did you make her like a sex object yeah, in this interview the, when she why? wasn't really in the movie? She wasn't at all. I, that was such a weird thing. That yeah. kind of made me like not like him. Yeah. We should also note that this movie was produced by Brian Singer, who's been in the news a lot lately because he was the director of Bohemian Rhapsody. And he is a credibly accused pedophile. So they made this movie with his help. Yeah, the Oscars didn't mention him, but we will. We He's will. He's a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that sucks. And it's funny, in the posters, it says in big letters, like, from the producer of X-Men and whatever movie, other movie he made. And that's Brian Singer. Yeah. Ugh, God. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it, and I would recommend it to other people. Me too. Um, Me too. I like the snakes. I like the snakes. I I like. I do think it's an inventive premise. Mm-hmm. Um, and the director Adam said that he that Alzheimer's is is a quote a pretty organic metaphor for possession, um, which is interesting and kind of I think is a more interesting statement than some of the stuff they get to in the movie in general. Um, but yeah, I I I think it it's definitely worth seeing. Yeah, I would give it a five. Um... Sorry, I'm just jumping into ratings. Yeah, I'll give it a five too. <laughs> uh, I guess I don't have that much to say about this movie. Like, I feel like what I said about it that was most interesting. I said about it when I, we were talking about Paranormal Activity. You know? Yeah, I mean? I mean Paranormal Activity. I was actually surprised by having more to say about that movie than this movie. And you know, this movie only had like two one one star reviews. Deborah, hmm. taking up Deborah Logan, one two three. Um, so I had to find a two-star review that was funny, and it, it says this. The movie is a documentary. Space, comma, space. Personally, I didn't like it. Space, comma, space. Not scares. Space, <laughs> period. Space. Bad story and scenes. <laughs> this person thought it was a documentary oh my god oh my god (laughs) and for a documentary it had a bad stories and not scares so if you're taking this at face value this is really fucking scary yeah (laughs) man imdb is like a treasure trove of really bad opinions and weird thoughts i know we've said this before but like bad grammar have you ever written a review for anything online like a product no. or a movie i once wrote a yelp review because someone gave us free dessert and i wanted to compliment oh that's sweet yeah. see you're a good person for a long time my only two yelp reviews are one star reviews so i guess oh, i have a lot shit. in common with that's these weirdos harsh. on imdb yeah well they fucking deserved the one star <laughs> <laughs> this is so mean but one of them was for a bagel place at jenny's college like staffed by college students <laughs> it was really I bad just- after like working for someone that really depended on Yelp reviews or just reviews on the internet, mm-hmm. like I can never give a one star. It like will crush people's days. Cool. So it would really help us out. That was our discussion on paranormal activity and the taking of Deborah Logan, not the haunting and not the taking of Deborah Logan one two three. It would really help us out if you left us, left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on March 18th and we will be discussing two vampire films, 
Only Lovers Left Alive, and A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I should have made like a Twilight joke there. I guess. Oh, we will watch Twilight, so (laughs) stay tuned for whenever we do that. (laughs) Or we'll Um, just like talk about it in tangent to this. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a Twilight month. Okay. Um, <laughs> Chick Flicks is researched, ooh, researched, ooh. researched and written by Bridget Hovell, that's me, and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. That's me. Many thanks to Tim Grief Carlson for our music, and thank you for listening to Chick Flicks. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. Bye, Mackenzie. Bye, Bridget. <laughs>